Well, good morning, everyone. If you, if you just saw me like sprint off stage, it's because I still have my cell phone and my watch on, and I'm really into fantasy football, <laughs> and that would have just been, hopefully that would have just been vibrating with updates of my team beating uh, Nathan Wagner of this church. <laughs> but Arbor, I want to promise you that this wasn't intentional, even though it seems like it's always the case, that I'm either up here doing announcements or giving a message when the Niners are playing the Seahawks. And it's, I really, we did not plan this one. Um, and I will say, if it's like usual, um, every time I come up here and address the church, the Niners lose. So you guys don't have anything to worry about. I'm hoping today is a day that that changes, but probably not. But I will say, guys, I do love you. Um, there's, there's, a funny, there's a funny story. Um, if you guys didn't know, uh, four years ago to this day, I was considering and coming to interview for Arbor. Four years ago. This November will be my four years on staff. But I will say, there was a competitor out there. A church that I really felt God calling Audra and I to. It was in Santa Clara, California. It was 15 minutes from Levi Stadium where the 49ers play. <laughs> As we're interviewing at this church, I even met somebody who had like box seats in the stadium, who always invited the pastors to attend uh, during the, you know, non-Sunday games. And I was like, you know, God has really, he's, he's, he's let me earn the hard work that I've done. I re- this, is, this is my calling, to be a pastor. And, you know, I had dreams of being an usher for the Niner team. Um, I would like to tell you that the story ended with me saying, you know what, God's calling me to Arbor, but it didn't even get that far. They turned me down so fast. <laughs> Instead... God called me to Nineveh. I mean, Woodenville. (laughs) But the reality is, Arbor, I do love this community. And if you guys didn't know our story, when Audra and I did move here four years ago, we have no family in the area, and we had really not a lot of friends in this area. Like, Hayden didn't come until months later. So we really came to you guys just trusting that everything was going to be okay. And when we came here, Audrey was still pregnant with Kate. Kate wasn't born yet. So we really came to a whole community and had no doctor, didn't know where to go. We didn't know which hospital was going to be the thing. Like we just came here fully trusting in God. But this community showed up for us because as soon as we got here, we jumped into a group. And in that group, there was a labor and delivery nurse at Evergreen who was there just to help us through Every bit of the process. And it just, it honestly was an answered prayer because it was, it was completely trusting, trusting in God when we got here. And then when Audra went into labor, that person in our group not only was there to support us and be that nurse in that room for us, but she even stayed past her shift to make sure that we were okay. Like make sure that I wasn't stressed out because I was completely stressed out. <laughs> I had no idea what to do. She just kept walking me through, like, rub her back. I'm like, like this? Like, is there, how do you rub her back? <laughs> Completely stressed out. But she was there every step of the way. And then, as you guys know, Cade was born. But then, as, we, as I was growing as a, as a husband, growing as a father, and as our family was growing, you know, we also realized that our apartment on the third floor with no air conditioning was just a little too small for us at this point, especially with uh, shopping at Costco and trying to carry up all the groceries up three flights of stairs because there was no elevator in our apartment. 
So we decided, you know what, we need, to, we need to move. And we decided to buy a house. And it was a real estate agent here at Arbor that made that process so easy for us and was like over-communicative and actually found out that if I don't use her next time or if, I do, like, if we do use her next time, I think she did more than she was supposed to as a real estate agent. I don't know what's normal. Um, so I, if I ever get a new real estate agent, I'm probably going to be very disappointed because how amazing she was as a real estate agent. And then when we bought a house, first thing I needed to do was build a fence. Guess who showed up? Arbor. This community showed up and helped me build that fence so our family could officially grow and have room for growth. And then later on, I needed to build a dog run for my dog. Again, Arbor showed up. Guys, I'm telling you, I absolutely love this community. This community has been there for me every step of my growth for these last four years. And who would I be if I can't even mention the growth that I've received spiritually from you guys and spiritually from the volunteers on Thursday nights at Arbor Students and the volunteers we have here on a Sunday morning. Like I'm, it's, this community has helped me be a better man, better husband, a better, better father, and a better leader for God's church. So we started this series last week, Better Together. And Ryan started it with, we are better together when we serve together. As you can tell, this morning is we are better together when we are in community together, when we grow together. We're better together when we grow together. And I want to let you guys know that your community here could help you grow, just like I've seen it do with me these last four years. And I want you guys to know, being in community is important. I think we all know that. That being in community with each other is important. Important for our health. Important for our mental health. Important for our spiritual health. It's important for our physical health. Being in community fits all of that. But I want to tell you guys this. It's, it is important, but I would argue that it's actually something we need. And here's my argument. If Jesus needed it, then I think we need it. If Jesus needed a community, then we need community. Jesus really is our example. Like as Christians, you know, we're always trying to live like Christ, use him as our example, try and be Christ in other people's lives so they can witness him. So I think it's really great to just, anytime something comes up in our life, to look at how he handled this. And when we look at community, Jesus really is that example. Because he embodied community, Jesus built his community, and Jesus prayed for that continuation of the community. The first thing I want to look at is Jesus embodying the community. Jesus himself, who he was, was in community. He was in community with the Father. He was in community with the Holy Spirit, which we call the Trinity. Now, I understand that the Trinity is a very complex theology. It's actually the main reason why I went to Bible college was because I really wanted to figure out how one can be three, how three can be one, whether the egg analogy was the right analogy, the water analogy was the right analogy, or the roles that a person has as a father, as a son, and as a brother is the right analogy. I really, it confused me. And I wanted to figure out about this trinity. But as confusing as it is, one thing that we do know according to scripture is that this community did exist, that Jesus did embody the Father, that he embodied the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus told us. In John 10, verse 30, Jesus said that I and the Father are one. Which means when you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you're talking to the Father, you're talking with Jesus. They are one. And then in a conversation on, in the Upper Room Discourse, the last night 
that before Jesus was getting arrested. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and specifically he was talking here to Philip. John 14, 9, 11. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the, whole, of the works themselves. And then later in that, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. So in scripture, we can see this community. We can, we can read about it, that Jesus talks about the Father. He talks about the Holy Spirit. And I think it's incredible, to, like, as Jesus always talks about them, what's even better is in scripture, you can actually see this community working together. Like you can, it's one thing to just hear it, Jesus saying, I am the Father. But it's another thing, because Jesus said in that thing to Philip, believe the works. I'm going to show you guys the works, because this, the Trinity, the community that Jesus embodied, really showed up. First one is Jesus' baptism. Now, I want you guys to think about your baptism, or your children's baptism, or your friend's baptism. When we get baptized, it's a family event. Like, people try and invite as many people as possible to witness this incredible journey, this big step that somebody is making in faith, this, this leap of faith to show their community that they believe in Jesus. But I want you guys to hear, read Jesus' baptism because his community shows up. In Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I would love to witness that event. <laughs> but the embodied community showed up. And it wasn't just this event. When Jesus wept, when Lazarus died, before Jesus did that amazing miracle of resurrecting Lazarus, he looked up to the Father and prayed first. And then that amazing miracle happened. And the last example I want to give is, again, the last night before Jesus was crucified, when he was anxious about everything that was going to happen, he went away and he prayed to his Father. And his community showed up to help him through this. It says in Luke 22, 41 through 44, he with, and he withdrew from there about a stone's throw. And knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And he sweat, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. How amazing is that community? Like, really, guys, like, Jesus, he embodied it. He spoke about it, and he showed it to the world. When you, see what Je when you see Jesus, you see the Father. You see the Holy Spirit. Himself, Jesus' self shows us that you need this community, that Jesus needed his community. But it wasn't just that on this spiritual level. 
when Jesus was on this earth, he even built a community. Not only did he embody it, but he built it because it's something he needed. You can read through scripture, read through the gospels, and, and just catch a glimpse of this community that he called to follow him. You know, this community, he, he built community with Mary, with Martha, with Lazarus. Built a community with a tax collector named Zacchaeus who was so changed by his, his encounter with Jesus that he just gave everything back and more just that encounter. And then he called the 12, the people, the men that he was going to spend incredible amount of time with, the intentional time with. And this was for three years. He had this community for three years. To ask you guys on your journey, how long have you been in this community or how long have you been in your community? How long, if you guys are in a group that's been continuing, how long has that group been continuing? How close do you feel with those people that you're with? Because Jesus spent three years with them, challenging them, encouraging them, laughing with them, sharing meals with them. I love, there's a story in scripture when John the Baptist died and Jesus was feeling the moment and incredibly grieved by what happened. He wanted to go off in solitude with his disciples and just pray about this. And that's actually when we get the Jesus feeding the 5,000 as he was trying to mourn and grieve what was happening with John the Baptist. A whole bunch of people came and wanted to hear Jesus and see miracles of Jesus, and he, he did it. But he wanted to grieve with his disciples. But he spent so much time with them that even, again, the last night of his life, Jesus called these disciples his friends. Took three years, but called them his friends. But I want to go through one more event on that last night. Because after Jesus spent time with them in that upper room discourse, he went off and prayed about his community. And I want you guys to read and hear this prayer because it is a beautiful prayer. It's in John 17. You probably read it before. I think we as a church have quoted this prayer so many times because it's that amazing. But I want you to hear Jesus taking intentional time and praying for his community. He says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am out of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one, that they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I shall consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Isn't that an amazing prayer? Amazing prayer for this community that he spent three years with, intentional time with, challenging them, laughing with them, crying with them, breaking bread with them. 
It's a beautiful prayer. And church, I will tell you, if someone is going to take attentional time out of their life, stop what they're doing to pray for you, I think that person cares about you (laughs) quite a bit. There's just one person in this world who is going to intercede on your behalf to the Father. I mean, I'll do anything for that community. (laughs) I'll do anything to be a part of that community. But I want to point out one thing that, honestly, I've never even thought of before until right in the sermon. I've never, I've never noticed this until like two days ago, to be honest with you. And then talk to Ryan and Allison their ear off about this concept. But I want to point out one part of this prayer, and I hope it impacts you as much as it impacted me. In this prayer, Jesus says that they may be one, even as we are one. What Jesus is doing is he's praying for the unity of his disciples, but he is praying to his embodied community about the community he built, that their relationship can reflect the embodied community. That Jesus, as he is one with the Father, when you see Jesus, you are seeing the Father. When you see the works of Jesus, you're seeing the works of the Father and the Holy Spirit. He is praying for that type of relationship amongst his followers, amongst his community. Church, what would that look like? Like, have you ever thought of that? Like, his prayer was for them to be one, like Jesus and the Father are one. What would that look like? Like, in their community, what would that look like? Here's what I think it means. I think it means that this is a community completely dependent upon each other. Just as Jesus is dependent upon the Father and the Holy Spirit, a community that they need each other as Jesus needed his. I think it's, a community that does everything together. Like Jesus said, like what he does, the Father is doing. What the Holy Spirit's doing, he's only doing it because of Jesus. So a community doing everything together and a, a community that is always going to be together. You can't separate them. You can't separate the Father. You can't separate the Son. You can't separate the Holy Spirit. So a community that you just cannot get in between of what they're doing. And honestly, a community that's heading to heaven together. (laughs) Jesus is praying for this community to be one as he and the Father are one. What a great prayer. A little scary prayer. I mean, a lot of no pressure, but (laughs) but such a great prayer. See, I think Jesus knew that they needed community with each other just like he needed this community. I think in that prayer, it really shows that Jesus knows that they need it just like he needed it. I want to ask you guys this. Do you want to see how that prayer was answered? As Jesus had this prayer, you want to ha- hear what happened to this community after Jesus built it and then he left this earth? Yeah. Jesus' community continued. And I want you guys to go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. It's actually a really great section of scripture. It's actually called the fellowship, in my Bible, it was called the fellowship of the believers. Kind of sounds like a movie. <laughs> the fellowship of the believers. So I want to read it to you guys, but at this time, Jesus ascended into heaven, and he told the disciples to remain where they're at until the Holy Spirit came, and when the Holy Spirit came, they were going to be witnesses on earth, spread that gospel, and the Holy Spirit did show up, and then when the Holy Spirit showed up, Peter just went on a preaching tirade, just as the Holy Spirit came, people mistake the disciples that they were drunk, and he was like, 
I'm not drunk, but let me tell you what happened. And from there, it just started preaching the gospel of Jesus right away. And what happened after Jesus preached that gospel is 3,000 souls were saved. 3,000 people were baptized and were added that day. But then we get an update on this 3,000 immediately after this in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and uh, distributing the proceeds to all. I struggle with that word every time. As any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, Jesus' prayer was answered, and this community was one, like that prayer stated. And see, for here, he wasn't just praying for the 11 apostles alone, but in that John 17 prayer, if you read it, Jesus does say that I'm not praying for them alone, but anybody who believes in me through their words. And we get a whole update on the, on the 11, and then those who believe according to their word. And these 11 plus 3,000 people and more adding today, they became one. And it said that they had all things in common. It says that they devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, pray- and prayers. And it says that they were able to witness some amazing things, miracles and wonders happen amongst these believers. And they started selling their possessions, giving way to everything to those in need. And every day they would be in fellowship together. Every day. Every day. Fellowship together, learning from each other, challenging each other, and praising God. They were growing together. They were depending on each other. They were always together. And they were heading to heaven together. And it wasn't just them. They were taking so many more people with them. Guys, this community was connected, just like the father and son are connected. And you can completely see that. And they needed each other. And I read that the fellowship of the believers, and it really does excite me. I mean, that sounds like an awesome time. <laughs> like everything about that and those, four, those few little verses is like everything that I want in life. And honestly, everything I've felt from this community. And I want that for you guys as well. I want you to feel what I have been feeling at Arbor these last four years. Because we need community. Because Jesus needed it. And if Jesus needed it, then we need it. Let's do that again. If Jesus needed it, <laughs> so I want, I want to bring up one more point. Because I talked about how Jesus embodied this community, how Jesus built this community, how Jesus prayed for the continuation of this community. I'm going to bring one more point into this. That Jesus' community continues in us. 2,000 years later. What happened with, the, with that first preaching of Peter to the 3,000 being saved to day by day, more believers coming together? Here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still doing it. It's still continuing. It's continuing, it's continuing in us. I will say this. 
And when I read Acts 2.46, I, I know some of you are probably like sweating right now. In Acts 2.46, when it says day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread, that might cause us some anxiety because I'm not going to pressure you guys to come to Arbor every single day. <laughs> um, I will say, though, anytime people do come to the church during the week, I am really excited to see them. And you'll probably get stuck in a conversation with me for an hour. Um, but I won't, I won't pressure you to do that. Um, but, I mean, it is, it is a beautiful thing to think of it. It's not healthy, so please don't do that. But I do wonder how many of you guys can remember that with your parents. Like I hear this story a lot that you got like people grew up in a in a church home where their parents are like serving every single day, either at the church every day or hosting people at their house every single day. And as a as a child, I don't know if it brings up great memory because I don't know if you had the you know children are meant to be uh, seen not heard when that happens. But that fellowship, I don't want that every day but how can we still have that same impact is a question I'm wondering. And a question I would love for you guys to even think of in your own family. Like how, how can we get close to that type of community? How can we get close to what the fellowship of believers were doing in Acts 2.42? How can we grow together like the apostles and those who started believing because of them? Well, I think we can answer this by looking at what they did. And the first thing they did was they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship. They devoted themselves. In the Greek, the actual, the best way to say this is that they continuously devoted themselves. It's it's an act of participle, which means it's happening and it's continuing to happen. It's a continuous devotion of of the teaching and the fellowship. Now I promise, I don't want to guilt trip you and I understand that your lives are very busy. I understand the stuff that you guys have. I think um, sports, kids' sports are you know, taking over the world right now and taking over your time, and it's not just that. I mean, sometimes you guys have just a tough week, and you wake up on a Sunday, and you're like, it's Sunday again? Didn't we just go there? Anybody say that this morning? Don't raise your hand. I said, don't raise your hand, David. <laughs> But my question is this. I think in COVID, I think people really did lose the habit of, of coming to church and seeing like the importance of this community. So my question for you is, is there something that you can add in continuously devoting yourself to the teaching and the fellowship here at Arbor? Can you add something you like? Can you just add one more week than what you would normally do? That Sunday where it's like, I am so tired. I don't want to go. Hawks are on at 10 a.m., Church starts at 10 a.m. Can you make that decision of like, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Can you just make it one more than you would normally do? And I want to give you guys, I, I can actually give you a goal if you want to own this goal. Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in two weeks we're starting the Philippian series, right? We're going to be starting a Philippian series in two weeks where we are actually looking at every single verse in Philippians. How about you guys make the dedication that I'm not going to miss a Sunday? that I'm going to hear and learn the teachings of everything that Paul had to say to the church in Philippi. And if you can't make that, like if you're like, oh, I, there's actually a Sunday that we already booked a trip or something, then commit to joining online. And when, and when you join online, I mean like hit it live online and then be part of that community. Like message in it, try and start a discussion within the, the comment section or invite people over to watch it with you and have a discussion within your own home or whatever it is you're at. 
But can you do something in your life just to take one more step into showing up for the teaching and for the fellowship? That's how we can get closer to that type of community that Jesus prayed for, the Father, for his community to be one, like the Father and Son are one. The next thing they did is they broke bread and were, prayer, were in prayer together. We see this later in the verse of them doing it in their homes. Where do you guys think I'm going with this one? Groups. <laughs> groups. I think you guys know groups are important. And again, if Jesus needed it, then we need it. And if you go back to that last night before his death, I mean, Jesus did this. He broke bread with his disciples that night, ate with them, shared a meal with them, prayed with them, went off to go pray for them. Even prayed, even as he was, uh, when he had that anxious prayer where he was sweating like drops of blood, he even brought three extra to come with them to pray. They did a bad job at it, but even pray for him while that was happening. Guys, groups are, groups are important. We do need groups just as much as Jesus needed it. Because the truth is, we, we need them for whatever could come tomorrow. And I'll tell you guys, something is coming tomorrow, whether it's good or whether it's bad. I mean, we need a group to be able to celebrate with. We need a group to be able to cry with. I need a group to celebrate the Niners win today. I need a group to cry if they lose today. I also need counseling for all the text messages I will receive today. <laughs> but guys, we also need a group to just also challenge us in our faith. Challenge the stuff that we think we believe in, the stuff that we do believe in, and to help other people challenge in their faith, help them grow in Christ. We need groups. And luckily, we have a group's menu for you that you guys can completely check out. All these different groups, Ryan mentioned his group, but for the women, there's a chef group. I want to be part of that one. <laughs> but I want you guys to like, really look at this. Like, Can you commit to one of these? And it's only six weeks, six to eight weeks. Is there a group that you can just say, you know what, it's time. It's time for me to jump in the community at Arbor. It's time for me to, to build fences with people or just build a community. So I want you to really look at that. Keep it up there just for a little bit longer, Chris, for you guys to just check out this group. Even grab your phones and take a picture of it. And while you grab your phone, you can also go to arborchurch.com slash groups and sign up. <laughs> Uh, the, I don't believe all the groups meet here. Uh, Allison, do people, is there groups meeting at homes? There's, there's a variety. So right now, that might be the only time that I tell you, pull your phones out and start typing while <laughs> sermon's happening, but sign up for a group. That is a way that we can grow together as a community. Now let's look at this last one. It says they were selling their possessions and giving to any in need. Sometimes, sometimes in order to have growth, you have to get rid of some things to make room for that growth. And a lot of times, the things that you have is exactly what someone else needs in order to con continue in their growth. See, as, as believers, I don't think we should ever hold anything with like a closed fist. Because God could really be trying to 
pour something into us, give something, whether that's, and when I'm, when I'm talking about selling their possession, because this is, this is like things, but this is also our time, which I think time has become really more valuable than the actual things that we possess in this world. So when I'm saying this, I want you guys to really put this in your life, whether this is your things or whether this is with your time. But really, I think when we hold things closed fist, we can't accept what God is trying to give. And a lot of times in our world, whether it is serving our time or giving our things, when we do give to somebody to help continue their growth, then God's ready. We are ready to just receive whatever it is that God is trying to give in us. And through there, through that, these, they were all doing that together. Like this was, this was something that they were all growing together in, giving their things, helping other people, helping them with their growth. But what was amazing about what was happening with this early church as they were doing that, it says that they were giving to people in need in that community. And again, they needed community. So as they were giving their things to this community, they were also giving them what they really needed, which was a community. Because it says through them, through this community, that people were coming to Jesus day by day. It says this, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Arbor, if we do this, and we do this well together, if we are that answered prayer that Jesus had with his embodied community about his community built being like his embodied community. Guys, we can see some transformation happen in Woodenville and the people in our lives. We can start seeing that kingdom of heaven being filled. If we can just be like that embodied community, that we can be a community that is completely dependent upon each other. Being a community that is always together. Being a community that does everything together. And being a community that is having, heading into heaven together. Because the reality is we need a community. Because Jesus needed it. And if Jesus needed it, needed it. let's pray. Lord, thank you for Arbor, first and foremost. Lord, thank you. After 2,000 years, we can keep this prayer going. But Lord, I pray that the members here, the body here at Arbor, that we can just continue it. Not let it end. Lord, we've already been through so much with this church, so I don't think we're ever going to end. <laughs> but Lord, we're never going to end because of you and that prayer. So Lord, I pray for the people here at Arbor that you can just keep challenging them to go deeper with community. Whatever that next step is, Lord, challenge our hearts so we can experience what you experience with your Father your spirit. Lord, we pray this thing in your name. Amen.